And this is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. The previous program was Advocating for Justice with Arthur Schwartz, which is heard Mondays at 5 p.m. Stay tuned for the WBAI Evening News coming up. It is 6 p.m. Stay tuned. Good evening. In the news tonight, organizers of yesterday's Queer Liberation March want to know why the NYPD attacked their peaceful protest. The mayor has agreed to a $1 billion budget cut for NYPD, but is it for real? Vote counting from last Tuesday's Democratic primaries here in New York resumes this week. In New York, I'm John Tarleton, editor-in-chief of The Independent, and this is the WBAI Evening News for Monday, June 29, 2020. Queer rights activists are demanding answers after the NYPD launched a seemingly unprovoked attack on pride marchers yesterday who were celebrating the 51st anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising that marked the beginning of the modern movement for LGBTQ rights. A crowd of more than 10,000 people marched through Lower Manhattan as they arrived at Washington Square Park. Part of the contingent was rushed by police. As we listen here, the cops shoved people to the ground, used pepper spray, and made several arrests. The irony of what happened wasn't lost on Natalie James, co-founder of Reclaim Pride, the group that organized Sunday's march. We will have more on yesterday's Queer Liberation March after the headlines. The city's annual budget is due to be finalized tomorrow. Mayor Bill de Blasio and the city council are under intense pressure to cut the NYPD's annual budget by at least $1 billion and redirect the money to programs that will aid black and Latino communities. Earlier today, de Blasio announced he had, in fact, agreed to a $1 billion cut. The deal involves moving more than 5,000 school safety agents who are unarmed but wear police uniforms into the Department of Education, canceling a July class of roughly 1,100 police recruits and shifting certain homeless outreach operations away from police control. We'll discuss the push to defund the police and whether this budget deal meets activist demands later in the show with an organizer from Occupy City Hall, a protest encampment that has been running on the sidewalk outside City Hall since last Tuesday. In other Black Lives Matter news, a Kentucky man is in custody after opening fire on a crowd of protesters in Louisville on Saturday night, killing one man and injuring several others. Stephen Lopez Nelson has been charged with murder and wanton endangerment. His victim, Tyler Girth, 27, was a photographer. His father, Chuck Girth, spoke about his son on Sunday. He was my hero. Um, he did a lot, of, a lot of things, involved in a lot of injustices in the world, and tried to change things. My wife warned him not to come down because, you know, yesterday in particular, because she thought it would be dangerous. But he said, "No, I, I just need. To, I feel the need to go down and support, you know, the injustices and and what's going on. I wish it wouldn't have happened, but I do. I do really appreciate all the support. It does make me feel good under these circumstances that." 
there are people that are willing to remember. In Mississippi, the Republican-controlled state legislature voted this weekend to remove the Confederate battle flag from its own state flag. Republican Governor Tate Reeves has promised to sign the measure into law. Mississippi is the final southern state to have the Confederate emblem in its state flag. While the United States continues to battle a 400-year epidemic of racism, the COVID-19 pandemic also continues to rage across the land, with the total number of confirmed deaths in the U.S. from the novel coronavirus nearing 126,000. Over the weekend, the United States saw its highest one-day total of confirmed new infections at more than 40,000 new cases. Hospitals in Florida, Texas, and Arizona are, are all at risk of being overwhelmed. These are states that rapidly reopened their economies in May at the urging of President Trump. On Friday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced he was once again closing all the bars in his state. Visiting Texas on Sunday, Vice President Mike Pence urged everyone to wear masks when in public, something his boss has repeatedly argued against. Your local officials in consultation with the state uh, are directing you to wear a mask. We encourage uh, everyone to wear a mask uh, in the affected areas. And where you can't maintain social distancing, uh, wearing a mask is just a good idea. Uh, and it will, we know from experience, uh, will slow the spread of the coronavirus. Here in New York, Governor Andrew Cuomo is now saying that he may halt the reopening of dine-in restaurants. Another crisis that isn't going away is climate change. Temperatures have climbed above 100 degrees in the Arctic Circle during the past week, and Russia's Forest Fire Aerial Protection Service says forest fires in Siberia have grown nearly five-fold over that same time. In other news, on Monday, the Supreme Court, by a 5-4 to four vote, struck down a Louisiana law that would have made it much more difficult for doctors to provide legal abortions. Conservative Chief Justice John Roberts provided the decisive fifth vote. Back here in New York, the vote count from last Tuesday's Democratic primaries resumes on Wednesday and could go for a week or longer. Tuesday was a banner day for the left with a number of victories over longtime incumbents headed by middle school principal Jamal Bowman defeating Congressman Elliot Engel, a 16-term incumbent whose district encompasses the northern Bronx and the southern half of Westchester County. A large number of mail-in votes due to the pandemic could be decisive in a number of close races, including Assembly District 51 in Sunset Park, where tenant organizer Marcella Matenias trails incumbent Felix Ortiz by 464 votes. Here's her campaign manager, Alex Pelletieri. You know, going forward, like this, this race is far from over. Uh, there's, we had um, close to 9,000 absentee ballot requests. So there's still plenty of voices of voters that have not been heard. And, you know, we, we do believe that a large number of those are in our favor and that we have a good shot of winning this. And yeah, we're going to be very diligent. We're going to, you know, do our best to make sure that, that the count is fair and transparent and that uh, every, every vote is counted. We will be back with more after the break.
was Puerto Rican bomba music performed live at the Occupy City Hall protest encampment this past Thursday night. You're listening to the WBAI Evening News presented by The Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website, now in its 20th year of publishing. You can find us online at independent.org, I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G. I'm John Tarleton, the Indies Editor-in-Chief. In our first segment, we will discuss yesterday's Queer Liberation March. The march, organized by the Reclaim Pride Coalition, drew more than 10,000 people for more than two hours. They marched peacefully and joyously through the streets of Lower Manhattan, proclaiming their support for Black Lives Matter, stopping by the Stonewall Inn in the West Village, where the modern gay rights movement was born, before heading over to Washington Square Park. And then out of nowhere came a police riot, as we heard during the headlines a little earlier. Joining us this evening to talk about what happened yesterday is Jake Tolan, one of the organizers of yesterday's march for the Reclaim Pride Coalition. Jake, thanks for coming on the show tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Um, So before we talk about uh, the Reclaim Pride Coalition and some of the messaging uh, you all had uh, developed around yesterday's march, can you break down what happened at the end of the march uh, when we had this uh, apparent police riot? And have you heard anything more from NYPD today um, as far as an explanation goes? Um. We're taking those questions in different pieces. On the the last thing you asked about more word that we've heard, not really. I mean, we've we've seen things on the internet. We've kind of been able to piece little bits of information together, but uh, I don't think we've heard any official word from them. So I don't know that I should necessarily comment on it for the, the protection of the people who were arrested. Okay. Um, but basically, what happened? Um, the march was kind of winding down the very last people were reaching the end point which is washington square uh, park and there was a large crowd of dancing people there someone brought a sound system and they were just playing music um so the intersection was filled with dancers and a police officer attempted to arrest to arrest someone um through this crowd of people which they didn't enjoy um and so they attempted to de-arrest this person by surrounding the officer um, and when that happened, probably a good two dozen more cops rushed in, uh, pushing people out of the way, throwing people to the ground, um, to try and back up this officer who was surrounded. Um, and keep in mind the, the protesters and the marchers are doing this, uh, peacefully. So they're, they're not preventing, they're preventing him from moving, but they're not attacking him or anything like that. Right. Um, so these cops rush in, and at that point, they start pepper spraying people as well. They probably uh, maced 10 to 12 people, I would say, um, and, and they began pushing through the crowd. Um, I saw them push one person who was kind of standing at, on the base of a, uh, a turn signal uh, for the street and uh, a traffic light. That's what it's called. Um, and they pushed him right off it to the ground and so he landed like fell several feet onto his back but seemed to be fine mm. um yeah and then they kind of made their way west on waverly which i think is a street that just borders the north side of the park um and so then two things kind of happened one was there was this large crowd of people that were injured from <laughs> being hit by batons and being pepper sprayed and 
and everything. And so we needed to calm down that initial area and make sure that everyone received first aid, which thankfully I don't believe that anyone needed to go to the hospital. We were able to um, administer that first aid on site. And then another group of people really jumped into action and, and put their money where their mouth is about this mission of protecting black trans lives and, and seeing a world without police by de-escalating and essentially, you know, locking arms and pushing the police out so that they could not hurt us any more than they already have. Um, and that, that was a really, I'm really proud that we were able to create a community that was able to so quickly jump into action and commit to control and nonviolence and actually de-escalate a situation when you have a police force that is rioting. Absolutely. And, and one other thing I noticed watching the videos last night is, is almost uh, none of the police were wearing masks as they charged into the, into the crowd. I and mean, we've seen this before, but it, it to me, it just sort of underscores the lack of professionalism of, of the NYPD that we see so frequently these days. I mean, yeah, I mean, they never wear masks. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I will say I did see a couple of officers throughout the entire march route who had a mask on. Uh, right, probably the they, only they two that don't watch Fox News. Um, <laughs> but um, so uh, so this is really unfortunate. But um, just to kind of circle back a little bit, can you talk about uh, why the Reclaim Pride Coalition was founded in 2019 and has held an alternative march uh, now in each of the last two years? Um, well, so the the Reclaim Pride Coalition was actually founded in 2018. We okay. held our inaugural Queer Liberation March in 2019. And the impetus was really, we are all veteran queer activists from a lot of different organizations. We call it a coalition because it, it's entirely flat and it's just built up of all these other organizations who want to be part of us. Um, and we had all recognized that the existing NYC Pride Parade was no longer speaking to us for a lot of reasons. It didn't really have any political weight behind it. And it was so invested in its partnership with the NYPD that it, it actually became very intimidating and potentially very dangerous for a lot of people um, beyond the, the just the police harassing and arresting and, and potentially assaulting people, um, which most of us have seen probably every year of just black and brown young people who are having a good time on their day who the police decided should not be having that good time. Um, and we initially tried to work with uh, Heritage of Pride, who runs that parade, uh, to try to make it a more political event and try to address some of these concerns about the over-policing and the lack of representation or, or investment from the community. And they just didn't want to change. So, <laughs> so in 2018, we said, okay, we'll do our own march. Then. And that was the Queer Liberation March that last year. And we we did it very intentionally from the beginning to center people in our community who are especially at risk, understanding that to build up the LGBT community, the queer community, which we use to be inclusive of that whole acronym, um, we need to start by lifting up the people who are hurting the most. And so our events have always really been about centering black lives and trans lives. And this year we just felt because of what is happening in the world, 
maybe people didn't get that quite enough last year, so let's really drive it home. <laughs> right. And and uh, before yesterday's march, you wrote on, on your Facebook page, uh, I'm quoting here, if your LGBTQ activism primarily or exclusively benefits white gay men, you are not doing LGBTQ activism. All you are doing is making it so that gayness is no longer an, an impediment to whiteness, and that is white supremacy. Can you elaborate on that? <laughs> um, or, yeah, that's one of my mottos. <laughs> but um, basically what I mean is, so much of the gay rights movement that we've seen in the past um, has been, and this is, I think, emblematic of what the, the NYC Pride March has become as well, has been about assimilating and trying to make it so that people who already had access to wealth and had a relatively conservative lifestyle could reintegrate back into society without, uh, without their gayness holding them back. But the entire LGBT community is not those people. I mean, most of the queer people that I know are not white, first of all. Most of them don't identify as men. Most of them don't have a lot of money. And so all those things that are meant to, you know, make people like Pete Buttigieg such an, an you know, an icon of gay rights, don't they don't mean a lot to those people. Um, and it's not really helping them. So when we look at what gay rights is and what queer liberation is, as we call it, it, it is making sure that every that every single queer person is being lifted up, and we're not leaving anyone behind. So that means disabled people, that means black people, that means homeless people. We're all queer, and we all deserve to have a, a just and equal society. Right, and and for for people who may not realize it, the the original Stonewall Rebellion in in June nineteen sixty nine, which was being celebrated yesterday, uh, that was really sparked by by two uh, black trans women, correct? Or, or I, I don't know if Sylvia Rivera identified okay. as black, uh, but right. but there were black and Latina, Stormé Delarbery, who was the one who really incited people to fight back as well, and I, I but I also I don't know if she identified as a or. I don't know if Storm identified as a woman. So. Okay. But it was definitely trans people of color. <laughs> okay. And yeah, because that was, uh, I mean, that was sort of overshadowed for a long time, but I think that's really started to come in in focus in, in recent years when people talk about Stonewall. Um, and, and and last of all, uh, the the events of yesterday, uh, you know, come at a time when, when the mayor and the city council are being pressured to, to def defund the police, uh, I guess for you, this uh, underscored uh, the, one more reason to uh, start uh, cutting into the NYPD budget. Exactly. I mean, it, it's it's. So I was a marshal in the march, and, I, and I've I've been marshaling different um, parades and marches and, and events for about twelve years. And we all know when we do these things because marshaling is essentially. Uh, community protection where they we are there to make sure that everyone at the event is safe and so we all know and it's built into basically every marshal training about how to deal with the police because if violence happens it's probably going to be because of them um so none of so what happened it wasn't exactly shocking to me i mean we kind of expected it in some respect and it it's I, it is in some ways maybe coincidental or poetic that it happened you know, 51 years to the day of the Stonewall riots. 
but also what, a, what other opportunities were you going to have for a bunch of queer people to get together and be really happy? I mean, if the police were going to break that up, it was going to be yesterday. <laughs> but, right. Well, we, um, we, we'll have to leave it there for now. Uh, we, we have another segment coming up. So, Jake, uh, thanks for joining us tonight on WBI Evening News and, and giving us an important update on what happened yesterday. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You bet. When we come back from the break, we'll talk with an organizer at the Occupy City Hall encampment about defunding the NYPD. I'll also have some important information to share about how you can give to WBAI and help keep shows like this on the air. That was DJ Trance House playing late Friday night at the Occupy City Hall protest encampment. We're going to talk more about the encampment and the push to defund the NYPD in a moment. But first, I want to encourage everyone who can do so to give generously to WBAI and help keep shows like this on the air. You can give by calling 516-620-3602 or going straight to WBAI.org. Again, the number is 516-620-3602. You can make a one-time donation, or better yet, sign up as a WBAI buddy for $10 per month or more. Uh, And just as we need to take the money out of destructive institutions like the NYPD, we need to put more money into people-powered institutions like WBAI, which depends on the love and support of listeners like you to continue broadcasting. And speaking of defunding the police, we are now joined by Bianca Cunningham, organizer with Vocal New York, the group that has played a leading role in setting up and running Occupy City Hall, a protest encampment outside of City Hall that was established six days ago and has become a magnet for many hundreds of defund the police supporters who have come there and in many cases slept out on the hard concrete to make their voices heard. Bianca, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I do want to make one quick clarification. I'm not an organizer with Vocal. Vocal is not the only organi- organization um, who is bottom lining this. We're a group of black organizers from around the city to many different organizations who came together to call for this occupation. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, r- right now, can you describe the scene at Occupy City Hall and, and how this protest came into being? It's not easy to pull something like this off. Sure. So the scene at Occupy City Hall, um, what they're calling an autonomous zone right now, a beautiful space um, that's been curated by uh, black activists and organizers from across the city. You, at any given time, if you walk into the encampment, you will find uh, drummers and healers, musicians, street performers who normally who are out of work right now because of everything that's going on with COVID, coming to lend their talents to the space, you would find a very well-stocked food table where you can find anything from Ethiopian to Korean food that's all been donated by the community and continues to come on the hour, every hour, um, to feed the protesters. You'll find thousands of protesters, and they'll look 
all kinds of ways. You'll see elderly people. You'll see the youth. You'll see very young children. Um, you'll see all ethnicities, um, people from all walks of life, uh, homeless people, all kinds of people coming together to share in a space. Um, we also have been having regular teach-ins um, on abolition theory, on um, what it looks like to, for this campaign to defund the police, explaining the budget to people and breaking it down in a way that's really digestible um, for everyone, regardless of their experience in politics. And so we're creating an educational space, a joyful space, a space to share, and a space to uh, create strategy on how we're going to continue to put pressure on our elected officials to um, answer our demand to defund the NYPD in a substantial way, in a real way, not a billion of fuzzy cuts, a billion of real money. Right. And so uh, earlier today, Mayor de Blasio announced, uh, according to at least uh, his uh, uh, take on things, that he was now in favor of a, a billion dollar cut to the NYPD. And I mean, a lot of that would involve uh, moving uh, school security, over 5,000 school security officers from the NYPD to the Department of Education, uh, along with uh, changing some of the way they, they do their homeless services um, and, and uh, eliminating one class of uh, recruits uh, for this summer. But what, what's your take on this? Is this is this a, a real cut to the NYPD or is this a shell game where they're just moving numbers around? They're playing politics to try to pat themselves on the back and appease the public. Listen, we're all awake. I could tell you there's thousands of people in City Hall Park. There's tens of thousands of people marching across the city, and people are awake. They see this for what it is. It is nothing but fuzzy mathematics, accounting tricks, um, and it's disrespectful. How disrespectful? You know, we're talking about people's lives, people being murdered, mostly black and brown young people being murdered by the NYPD. So how can... How, how tone-deaf is it for you then to say, oh, I hear your cry, and now we will put more officers in a school to increase and, and feed the school-to-prison pipeline? It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, the demand is cops out of school. The demand is medical detectors out of school. We don't want to be police in any aspect of our lives. We don't believe that police should be involved in social services. We want counselors, not cops. And so I don't think it's sufficient. I'm uh, disappointed in Corey Johnson particularly, who came out ahead on this issue and said that he was dedicated and willing to make the real cuts. And now what we see is him doing a victory lap around something that's not substantive, it's not good enough, and it's not even it doesn't even begin to address the harm that these young black and brown people that you've seen in the streets crying out have endured. And so, no, it's not enough. And we're going to call it what it is, and we're going to continue to put pressure on them and escalate pressure on them and call them out. I'm calling for Corey Johnson to resign. You want to run for mayor? You can't even prove to be a leader in this moment. You need to resign. Bill de Blasio needs to resign. There is a lack of leadership in this city, and we need to address that. And we can't wait for the ballot box. We need to pressure these people now. And, and what? Uh, so the um, I mean the city the, the budget is supposed to be finalized by the end of day tomorrow. Uh, what can people who are listening do to uh, either participate directly in the encampment or or support the encampment or or help with the campaign to put more pressure on city council? Yeah. So to, uh, tomorrow night we're doing a sleepover in city hall. Many of us have been staying there. It's our seventh day now out there. We're calling on all of our all the people who care about this issue and the way that we do who are sick and tired to come down to city hall we're putting all eyes on the budget all eyes on the council we are watching them we'll start to mobilize you know they're in their houses hiding you know on virtual meetings that's okay we'll go to their houses and they can complain about that on twitter but 
they need to be held accountable to the public. And so we are going to continue to put pressure. We're going to continue to tweet. We're going to continue to make statements. We're going to continue to show up at their door. We're going to continue to call them out until they make real cuts to the budget. And, so and, and is there a, a particular time, time tomorrow evening where people should uh, plan on gathering? 7 p.m. Okay. We'll have dinner for everyone. We have plenty of food. We have everything you need. People's bodega, people's library, music, learning, everything that you need. Come on out. Be with us. Uh, plan actions with us. We're strategizing as community, all coming from different boroughs, from different walks of life. We're putting our power together to say, how can we use this encampment to put pressure? And so that's what we'll be doing. And this is not a conversation okay. of a couple organizers. This is a group conversation. Right. Okay. We'll have to we'll have to leave it there uh, for folks uh, that uh, the encampments on the east side of of City Hall. Uh, um, Bianca Cunningham, thank you uh, for joining us on on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. You bet. All righty. Well, that that about does it. I'll, I'll say I was at the encampment a couple of nights ago, and it's a it's a really magical space, and uh, I encourage everybody who can make it down there uh, to do so, or and if you can't make it to to try to support it in in other ways. Uh, so uh, that's going to be the end of our show for tonight. A special thank you to Amba Gergarian and Renee Feltz for their help uh, with the show. You can also follow the Indy's latest coverage of Occupy City Hall and the Queer, Labor, Queer Liberation March at independent.org. And please, if you can, make a donation in the name of this show to help WBAI during its current fund drive. The number, once again, is 516-620-3602. That's 516-620-3602. Or you can go to WBAI.org and make your donation there. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back same time next week. All right, and this is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.